Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Oh, Houston Astros magic number is down to one. Only one more, one more. That's it. And then the Strohs, with exactly a week left in the regular season. Magic number's down to one for them to have home field advantage throughout the American League playoffs after they crushed the faces of the Arizona Diamondbacks. Last night at Minute Maid in a game that appeared that everyone decided to hit a home run. Good morning. Welcome to RP3 and Company. I'm your host, Raymond Parch III, better known as RP3. I'm joined inside the game studios by the producer extraordinaire, Miss Hannah Five Names. It's Wednesday, which means we'll be unveiling our foodie poll question of the week. It's a it is a divisive topic. The weather is starting to, you know, get a little chilly. It's getting a little bit cooler. It's starting to feel like fall, which means a certain pot is being pulled out and put on stoves everywhere. But do you put a particular ingredient in that tried and true traditional dish? It gets people fighting. It gets people fired up. We'll unveil that a little bit later this morning. We have three guests lined up for you today. At 7.30, the mad dog, Ron Higgins from Tiger Details will join us. How important is Saturday's game on the Plains for the Tigers? Is it a must win for them? As then they shift to the far more difficult part of their SEC schedule. We'll talk to Ron about that at 7.30. At 8 o'clock, Jay Walker, the longtime voice of the Raging Cajuns, will join us. Can the Raging Cajuns bounce back? Can the offense finally get going? Can the running game finally get going? Because South Alabama comes to town this weekend for homecoming. Formidable opponent and a team on the rise. We'll talk about all things Vermilion and White with Jay at 8 o'clock today. And then at 8.30, it'll be time for the Big Easy Blitz. Can the Saints dust themselves off? They're already in London. They're preparing to take on the Vikings Sunday morning. What can be done? Can they get on track? Because they've looked awful for the majority of three games. So those are our three guests. Ron Higgins from Tiger Details, Jay Walker, voice of the Louisiana Raging Cajuns, and Andrew Juge from the Saints Happy Hour Podcast. That's who we got lined up for you today. Of course, the foodie poll question of the week will unveil later this hour. But we got to start off with the Houston Astros. 
Boy, they sure are coming together at the right time. Magic number now down to one. Even with the Yankees' 5-2 victory over the Toronto Blue Jays, the magic number reduced from two down to one for Houston because they went out and crushed the faces of the Arizona Diamondbacks. Now, Jordan Alvarez leaves the game with some discomfort in the ankle. And we've talked about this before, about them not necessarily treating him with kid gloves, but them making sure to be cautious with their big Cuban slugger. Because you're going to need him. You're going to need that bat. So now with a week left in the regular season, and they'll essentially have a week off after that because the Strohs won't play in the wild card round. They won't start playoffs until the 11th, which would be the divisional, divisional series, that they'll take their time and they'll be like, okay, let's go ahead and rest up. Let's go ahead and take some of our pitchers, let them get a couple extra days rest to get geared up for the playoffs. Let's have our sluggers. So I would fully expect to see a lot of that moving forward, especially if anyone even has mild discomfort. If it was a playoff game, Alvarez would be playing. But it's not. They're the best team in the American League. They're looking to lock up home field advantage throughout the postseason. Really don't need them right now. You got things going in the right direction. Really don't need to have him right now. 10-3 victory, 10-2 victory rather, for the Shros last night over the Diamondbacks there at Minute Maid. Little weird two-game series here towards the tail end of the season. Not against American League competition. But that's how the schedule ended up. 14 hits. They just clobbered the ball last night. And, of course, Jose Altuve, well, he's the one that sets the tone normally. Starts off in the first. He hits the solo shot. But the Diamondbacks tie it in the top of the third with a solo uh, shot of themselves. So now it's a 1-1 game. You're like, okay. But Mancini, who has been struggling at the dish, he gets a sack fly that scores a run in the fourth. Then Hensley brings in a run, scoring Altuve in the fifth. Then Guriel grounds into a fielder's choice, but that scores a run in the fifth as well. They increase their lead to 4-1. to one. Then Altuve homers yet again in the sixth inning. Hensley then follows suit with a two-run home run in the sixth inning. And then Bregman says, hey, wait up, guys. I want to join the party. Home run in the sixth inning. Just clobbering the poor Diamondbacks. D-backs get a solo shot in the eighth to make it 8-2. But then the Astros are like, okay, you're not going to be the last one to hit a home run in this ballgame. We will do so. And Jeremy Pena steps up and hits a two-run blast that scores Altuve for the 10-2 clobbering of the poor Diamondbacks who are 71-84. and Altuve went 
three for four with two home runs, two RBIs, four runs scored, and he also drew a walk. We haven't talked enough about this. He's having his best season since he won the MVP. Now, everyone's so focused on the MVP race with Aaron Judge, and he's going to win it, even though he's still sitting on 60 because everyone's walking him now. I made the joke about it on the air. Wouldn't it be funny if everyone just intentionally walked or just walked Aaron Judge? And sure enough, that's what's happened. Everyone's just walking him now. But Altuve is having a monster season. His best year since winning the MVP in 2017. But he wasn't the only one that had a great night. Pena, two for five with two runs scored. Hensley comes in as the pinch hitter DH. He came in for Alvarez, who did get a hit before leaving with the mild discomfort in his ankle. Hensley, two for three, two runs scored, three ribbies. Bregman had two hits. Kyle Tucker had two hits. Just a dominant night at the dish. 10-2 victory. Now, some people would believe that means they're not going to score any runs tonight because they scored too many last night. I'm not one of those people. But some, some are. Some are. Luis Garcia... They make a change. They decide to scratch McCullers just to give him some additional rest. So they let Luis Garcia go out there. He picks up win number 14. A guy who's their fourth best pitcher. Maybe their fifth. Has 14 wins now, by the way. Think about that. Garcia may not even make the ALDS roster. Six strong innings, scattering four hits, giving up only one earned run, struck out six, only threw 85 pitches. That's all they needed him to do. Brown, the rookie, you're seeing how they're going to utilize him. We talked about this with Brett Chancey yesterday from the Locked on Astros podcast. Are they going to have him get a couple of starts before the the postseason, or are they just going to put him into his role? He had a couple of starts, got a couple of wins, including in his hometown of Detroit, and then goes... And they're moving him into that reliever role, middle reliever role, that I feel like they're going to utilize him for the postseason. He struck out two, gave up a hit, no earned runs in an inning of work last night. 10-2 victory. Strohs are now 102-53 on the year. Their magic number is down to one. And when you look at the remaining... Their remaining schedule, if you will. How are they going to approach this? How is the veteran baseball guy, Dusty Baker, going to approach this? Because once they clinch home field, they have nothing really else to play for. You've already eclipsed 100 wins. You've already won your division. And then you clinch home field advantage throughout the playoffs. There's nothing really else to kind of play for here. So what's Dusty's approach going to be here because you wrap up the little Arizona series tonight 7-10 first pitch Verlander is scheduled to go could be his last start of the regular season 
Then it's a day off on Thursday. Then you have the three games set against the Tampa Bay Rays who are fighting to get into the playoffs. And they've been a thorn in your side. And then it's three games Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday against the Phillies. Well, that has nothing, you know, the Philly series has nothing to do with the Astros. By that time, you'll already have everything clinched. So be interesting to see what happens. If they can clinch home field tonight, is it essentially short starts for their pitching staff, letting other guys get a lot of playing time, guys getting additional rest? Because there is that thought process, and we talked about with Brent yesterday morning, was you're Houston, you're going to have a week off. Do you essentially want to have two weeks off? Because the danger of having two weeks off from playing meaningful baseball and having your guys out there grinding it out is that they could be too rusty. And it could be too much of a challenge for them to turn it on for the divisional series. So do you want to keep your guys sharp? That's kind of the thought process there. So it'll be interesting to see what Dusty does. I'd expect Verlander pitches tonight. He's scheduled to pitch again in the regular season finale a week from today. So it's to be Verlander tonight. They don't have who they have slotted in to be the starting pitcher for the first game against Tampa Bay. Then it's Jose Arquiti. It's Valdez. It's Christian Javier. Then it's McCullers and Verlander. I seriously doubt you're going to see McCullers and Verlander pitch next week against Philly. But I don't know. Dusty is old school. So it'll be interesting to see the Astros approach once they clinch home field advantage throughout the playoffs. We got to take a timeout. Reminder, you can listen to the Strohs tonight. Take on those Diamondbacks right here on the game. First pitch scheduled for 7-10 from Minute Maid Ballpark. Robert Ford and Steve Sparks will be on the call. More baseball talk. A couple of division titles were clinched last night. Aaron Judge still sitting on 60 in the NL East. Oh, with a week to go, just got real interesting. We'll recap that for you coming up right here on The Game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. A recent survey said that game listeners prefer our station than filing their taxes. Take that, taxes. This is The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. The game wants you to face your worst nightmares by hooking you up with tickets to one of the top haunted attractions in the country, the 13th Gate. Just text the word GATE to 337-283-8100 to enter to win a pair of general admission passes. That's GATE to 337-283-8100. Get your scare on this Halloween season at the 13th Gate. Courtesy of Midnight Productions and the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Who doesn't like to get their scare on? 
Major League Baseball, it's getting scary for some teams. New York Yankees, not getting scary. After having a post-All-Star game lull, which was a funk for about a month for the Yankees, they've started to play extremely better of late. They've won eight of their last ten. They got to 95 wins last night with the win over the Blue Jays, and that clinched the American League East division title for the Yanks. So now we have three division winners all set in the American League. Yankees have won the East. The Guardians over the weekend won the Central. And the Astros, as we knew about a week or so ago, won the AL West. Aaron Judge still sits at 60 because, well, because people aren't throwing him pitches, (laughs) which is not surprising. He had four walks last night. Judge was walked 12 times in his previous 55 plate appearances before he hit the 60th home run. Of course, the 60th home run tied him with Babe Ruth. 61 is the American League record held by Roger Maris. The overall Major League Baseball record is more than that, held by Sammy Sosa, Mark McGuire, and then, of course, Barry Bonds. But Judge was walked 12 times in his 55 plate appearances before hitting home run number 60. That was an average of one walk per 4.6 plate appearances. Since hitting his 60th home run, Judge has walked 12 times in 31 plate appearances. That's one walk per 2.6 plate appearance. Of course, he had the four last night. He's not going to catch Sosa, McGuire, and Barry, but he'll definitely catch Roger Maris and probably break it. But the Yankees are your division champions in the East. And now with a week left in the regular season, the battle for the three wildcard spots are on. And this is what's going to be interesting. Blue Jays still hold a comfortable lead. Even with last night's loss, they have a three-game cushion on the Tampa Bay Rays. And the Rays have a a game-and-a-half cushion on the Seattle Mariners. But the Mariners only have a a three-and-a-half game cushion on the Baltimore Orioles. Last week of the season is going to determine who's going to get in. And more importantly, is going to determine where they're placed at. Looks like Toronto's going to be the number one. But you can see Seattle and Tampa Bay battle it out here to be the number two. And which team is going to, as they fight it out, so to speak. So I'll be interested to see what happens there. Rays are 5 and 5 in their last 10, Toronto's 5 and 5 in their last 10, Seattle's 3 and 7. They've lost two in a row. They got to get it together. Hannah's Mariners do not want to be backpedaling into the postseason because that's what they're doing right now. And Baltimore has not been eliminated, so they still have life here. And if you look at the schedules, 
for these teams. Seattle, what do they have left on their schedule? You know, and they're losing. And look, and and for Seattle, it's frustrating because they're losing to the Rangers and losing to the Royals and losing to the Athletics, the and the Angels. Look at their last series. I'm not talking about the Padres who are fighting for the playoffs. They dropped three of four to the Halos. Then they dropped two of three to Oakland. Then they dropped two of three to Kansas City. Then they dropped last night 5 nothing to Texas. You know who the Mariners have left on the schedule? Rangers tonight. Then it's a three-game set at home against Oakland, who's maybe the worst team in Major League Baseball. And then a four-game set against the Detroit Tigers. It's right there on a silver platter for Hannah's team. But they haven't proven in the last month that they can win a series against bad competition. Once again, losing to the Athletics, the Royals, and the Angels. It is right there for them. They have an easy schedule for the final week of the season, and they get a bonus game because of the rescheduled. So one of these games against Detroit is a doubleheader. One of those days is a doubleheader. So... They have all the opportunities in the world to clinch their spot. But the way they've played has not been good. It has been, as we like to call, Papa. Look at the Orioles on the other side. The O's are a few games behind the Mariners. They're battling to get in. They got ground to make up. Boston, they've already split this early series with Boston. They won on Monday. They lost last night. The Orioles did. They have two more games, Wednesday, Thursday. Red Sox were officially eliminated from the playoffs yesterday. But then they got three games at the Yankees. What are the Yankees going to be playing for? Aaron Judge hitting the home run, maybe. But they're not going to catch the Astros to get home field advantage, so are the Yankees really going to care about this series? And then they have a three-game set against the Toronto Blue Jays. It's going to be interesting. Orioles, Mariners, Blue Jays, and Tampa. That's going to be a heck of a way to wrap up the regular season. I don't think that's going to be decided until early next week. I really don't. Mariners, if they don't get their act together, they're going to leave the door open for Baltimore. That's going to extend the season, if you will. And Baltimore has to play the Yankees and the Blue Jays. It's tough for those. Now, over in the National League, Something interesting has happened. Dodgers clinched the NL West, it seems like, two months ago. The St. Louis Cardinals yesterday, they wrapped up the NL Central title. So they're in. 90 wins. They've won the division title. Dodgers have won the West. But the old NL East... Braves caught the Mets. They're now tied. With a week to go in the regular season, 
we're going to have drama when it concerns a division championship. And on top of it, guess who plays each other this weekend? The Braves and the Mets. There you go. Your division uh, title is going to be decided this weekend. Mets and Braves both sit at 97 and 58. Both have gone 7 and 3 in their last 10, but the Braves have been making up ground on the Mets for the better part of the summer. And now as we get close to October, here we are. Braves of course are the defending World Series champs. I didn't think they were going to catch the Mets. I really didn't. But the Mets, they stumbled, and they opened up that door, and Atlanta seized the opportunity. And for the Braves, they'll wrap up their series against the Nationals. That'll be tonight. Former Houston Astro Jake Odorisi will be on the bump. And then it's the three-game set against the Mets, and that's in Atlanta. Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And then the Braves wrap up with the Marlins with the three-game set on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Could the Braves really come back and win this division? Okuna, of course, homered twice in last night's game. As, the, as they beat the Nationals 8-2. to two. And then you look at the wild card. So the loser of the division is going to be the top wild card team. That's just based on what the standings are. They have such a cushion there, it does not matter. But your National League wild card right now, because they're tied for the division title, both the Mets and the Braves are sitting up at the top. They have a 13-game cushion there. They're fine. Padres look like they're locked in, but... San Diego only has a two-and-a-half game lead in the wildcard standings over the Phillies, who are also in the National League East. And then there's the Brewers. So that's something to pay attention to because loser of the, more than likely loser of the weekend series between the Braves and the Mets will be your wildcard team. Then that will leave two spots open. Padres have a little bit of a cushion, but Philly's going to have to fend off Milwaukee because the Brewers are only a game and a half back. So that could be interesting as well in the National League. One week to go for the regular season. Plenty of drama still out there. Plenty of things to be decided. Wild card races, division titles, and Aaron Judge home run chase. Man, gotta love baseball. Gotta love baseball. Hannah's very excited about her Seattle Mariners performance in the last month as she bangs her head against the microphone. (laughs) We'll take a timeout when we return. We'll bring a smile to Hannah's face. We'll unveil our foodie poll question of the week. It's what we do every Wednesday here on RP3 and Company. You're listening to the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers in Houston Astros. Sign up right now for the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com so you can score tickets, gift certificates, and more. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
Lafayette Marble and Granite offers the largest selection of granite quartz and marble in Acadiana, and they appreciate the opportunity to earn your business. As you've heard me tell you before many times, LMG provides more than show-stopping marble countertops for your kitchens, bathrooms, and man caves. LMG also now has an extensive selection of custom shower builds with their grout-free showers. That's right. No muss, no fuss, and no odor. Make sure to visit their website, lmgelite.com, to learn more about all their sensational services and the tremendous products that they have to offer. Live inventory is updated every single Wednesday. Guess what? That's today. Today is Wednesday. Visit lmgelite.com. That's lmgelite.com. Or you know what? Stop by their soon-to-be fully renovated showroom located right there on I-49 North across from Hub City Ford in the jockey lot. It's Lafayette, Marble, and Granite. They're looking to earn your business, and trust me, earn it, they will. Talked a lot of baseball to start off today's show. Astros clobbering the Arizona Diamondbacks. Jose Altuve continues to just absolutely kill it. He's having his best season since he won the MVP back in 2017. And the Strohs' magic number is down to one to have home field advantage throughout the rest of the American League playoffs. Yankees clinched their division title yesterday. St. Louis Cardinals clinched theirs. Mets and Braves are now tied. And guess what? They have a three-game series in Atlanta this weekend. And you have wild card races in both leagues still going on strong. And Aaron Judge sits at 60 as now he's drawing all types of walks. Imagine that. Only one shy of tying Roger Maris's American League record and Yankees record. So we'll see if Judge is able to get that in the final week of the regular season. But it's Wednesday here on RP3 and Company. And you know what we like to do on Wednesdays? Like to unveil the foodie poll question of the day. We do it every single Wednesday. Now, with the temperature changing... It actually starting to feel a little bit like fall. We had that cold front come through. Anytime the temperature drops below 80, we here in southwest Louisiana find an excuse to make a gumbo. It's what we do. My wife is already planning one. <laughs> and I fully support said decision. Now, there's lots of debates when it comes to gumbo, right? We could have a debate of whether you prefer Cajun or Creole gumbo. You could have a debate whether or not you like tomatoes in your gumbo or not. You could have a debate if rice and potato salad. There's a lot of different ways you can go. Or you just want to have the general one. Do you prefer chicken and sausage gumbo to seafood gumbo? Right? You could always have that one. Some people like to combine the two together. Some people like to have a vegetarian gumbo. I don't know these people, and I don't know, not for sure if I want to associate with them. There's different ways. Do you go with turkey necks or not turkey necks? But the one thing of all the things that you can debate about when it comes to gumbo, smoked turkey nets, not, not smoked turkey necks, tomatoes, Creole, Cajun, seafood, chicken and sausage. You know, there's a lot of things you can debate. But the biggest one has to do with our slimy vegetable friend, okra. I am not Cajun. 
I am not originally from Southwest Louisiana, even though I've spent most of my life living in Southern and Southwest and Central Louisiana. It's, you know, I'm not from here. But it is, to me, one of the more polarizing things. Okra in the gumbo, yes or no? That is the poll question of the day. That's our foodie poll question of the week. And yes, this poll question was presented to my wife. She helped create this one. As she said to me, I jokingly said, I said, hey, babe, are you going to put some okra in the gumbo? This, Because she doesn't. She goes, she goes, what am I, a savage? <laughs> oh, no. She doesn't want okra anywhere near her gumbo. Nothing. You put in the Holy Trinity with your roux, and you make your base, and you can put your meat in there and everything else, but there's no reason to have okra in the gumbo. That's how I feel about it. That's how my wife feels about it, my Cajun woman, my beautiful bride from St. Landry Parish. But we want to ask you. Now, producer extraordinaire, Miss Hannah Five Names, you are for from Slittle, Slidell, with some stops along the way in your childhood in Connecticut. I doubt they understand gumbo. But you're from a different part of the state. Now, you live here, you're getting married, everything like that. You attended University of Louisiana, Lafayette. You're a raging Cajun through and through now. But you're from a different part of the state. You're not from southwest Louisiana. So, does okra belong in a gumbo? Yes or no? For me, I would say no. There's some restaurants that do put it in their gumbo, and I'm like, hey, this still tastes good, but, like, I never had it when I was growing up. My son also didn't make great gumbo. He tried, but, like, no, it's not the same as over here. So, no, no okra in my gumbo. No okra in the gumbo Mm-mm. for producer extraordinaire Miss Hannah Five Names. She says no. And no one in your family cooked it? My my mom loved making fried okra, but not just fresh okra in the gumbo, no. No fresh okra in the gumbo? No. Let's get to what some of the people are saying here. Right now, 61% of you say no, 39% say yes. Let's get to some of our comments because you guys never disappoint. John Paul Cajun Daddy says, at the game, at RP3 Sports, tomatoes do not go in gumbo, do not say that again. Ha <laughs> ha! It's all caps. <laughs> I knew I'd get that reaction. Reaction, of course. <laughs> Hart on Twitter says, "Well, I don't personally put them in mind. Some of the best gumbos I've had come from my grandmother and were cooked with okra in it." John Paul comes back again. So to clarify, there are three types of gumbo: one, classic chicken and sausage; two, seafood, normally with crabs and shrimp. Three, okra may include shrimp or sausage. I do not cook number three. So the answer to the question is, no, I do not. Good morning. Now, there's some people that will just make a straight-up okra gumbo, by the way. Like a vegetarian gumbo made with okra and mushrooms. I have no desire to try that. Todd says, no, but I fry it up to serve with my gumbo. Now, I will... Now, see, that that's a little bit different because 
Now you're frying up the gumbo, and it's like a side dish, like a little snack with your gumbo. That's a different thing that Ton's bringing up. Salty Steve has chimed in. Abso-freaking-lutely. Shrimp and okra gumbo is my favorite, but only fresh okra, never frozen. Dat Cajun says, as long as it's cooked, done enough, if they still have slime from it, throw that stuff out the door. See, I think I think that's the bigger problem with people being anti-okra. I don't think people understand how to cook it. Right? I think that's a problem. I don't think it's an ingredient that you just throw in the gumbo pot. And I think that you have to do some prep work there with the okra. Because too many times I've had people that have presented their gumbo with okra in it. The okra's slimy. That's no good. I don't want that. I doubt what Steve's talking about when he's talking about, and I've had a shrimp and okra gumbo before. Done right. I just don't like okra myself. Okay, I'm, I'm not a fan of it. But I have had shrimp and okra gumbo before where the okra is not slimy. I'd be willing to bet you that's what Steve's talking about, too, that he's had that type of presentation. Let's head out to the hotline. Y'all got something to say. Reynold is patiently waiting. Reynold, good morning, brother. How are you this morning? I'm glorious with this beautiful weather. Yeah, I know, bud. It's football weather. It's what. gumbo weather. Yeah, and this is a perfect time for gumbo. I'm not uh, I'm not a gumbo hound. My wife loves gumbo. She eats it during six five days out of the year. I like it. I'll eat it if it's there. It's the only thing there. I love it when it's cold and it's wet outside. Now, with that said, I am not an okra eater in any shape, way, shape, or form. I hate it. My wife loves it. But with that said, yes, there are three types of gumbo. You seafood, I mean, you seafood, you chicken sausage, made with the roux. Yes. Traditionally, a Cajun okra chicken sausage gumbo is not made with the roux. The okra is what thickens the gumbo. That is correct. You, you're you supposed to cook it down, get all the slime out, then you build your gumbo from that. But okra is still trash to me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I laugh because I, because because I, I agree. I just I don't I don't care for it. Riddle brother, thank you for the no. phone call, <laughs> and hope right. you enjoy your day, bud. Hey, it, it was a very nuanced, layered response, and then at the end, Reynolds like, but it's still trash. <laughs> I like that. That's always good. Let's head back out to the hotline. Welcome on Rockefeller to the show. Good morning, brother. What's on your mind? Man, look, uh, okra is okay, but okra is good smothered. A good smothered okra, you know, with some rice and stuff, that's okay. But the gumbo thing, I totally agree. But the gumbo, gumbo is great, but you cannot put any bones in a gumbo. I never did understand why people put bones in a gumbo, turkey necks, and you got the chicken with the bone and everything. It's supposed to be a bonus thing where you can just scoop and eat. It's too much bones, too much picking. You know, you got to worry about you swallowing this or you crunching on this. No, we got to keep it real and authentic. No bones, everything boneless and skinless, strictly meat and roux and juice. Scoop and eat, drink, 
and that's it. And you now, broke the rest of the way. Now, now, so now, now Rockefeller, some people would say, no. with, with, with the bones, some <clears throat> people would say that's what gives it the flavor. So then no, you just take it really. out, not and really, then you just man. eat the not turkey really. neck. If you, if you know how to cook, people that know how to cook, trust me, it, it has a flavor. It don't need no bone, though. There we no go. Bone. I appreciate the no phone bone. call, brother. Enjoy your day, man. Talk, talk to you all later. Rockefeller's like, I don't got no time for no bones. I, I can't be worrying about eating a bone in the gumbo. I don't blame him, man. I don't blame him. Don't blame him whatsoever. But I don't mind. Like, my wife likes to go, when she cooks, she'll cook with, you know, chicken thighs and everything like that. And she'll cook with a, a smoked turkey neck for sure. So, I don't mind it because then I get to eat the turkey neck afterwards. We got to take a timeout. Good phone calls, good reaction to the foodie poll question of the day. Keep those votes coming. Keep those comments coming as well. Do you use okra in your gumbo? Yes or no? That's our foodie poll question of the week. We got to take a timeout. We'll wrap up our number one coming up right here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Uh, you got to make sure to come celebrate German style and heritage at the Roberts Cove German Fest this Saturday and Sunday in nearby Rain Roberts Cove area. There's going to be traditional German cuisine, music, dancing, plenty of German culture activities, a rice threshing demonstration, antique tractors, and you can even take home a German cookbook from the gift shop. The kid-friendly event takes place this weekend at St. Leo Catholic Church in Roberts Cove just off the Rain Exit 87 off of I-10. For more information, visit robertscovegermanfest.com. I may have to go check that out. Hour number one in the books. Hour number two coming up. We'll keep talking about the foodie poll question of the day and more. That's next right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers in Houston Astros. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Oh, when the weather gets a little chilly outside, it's 57 degrees right now. Oh, score. Love that. When the temperature dips, we tend to, here in southwest Louisiana, from Lake Chuck all the way over to Lobdell and everywhere in between, we tend to get the gumbo pots out. That's what we do. That's what we do. Sometimes we'll find an excuse just just to get it, but it's gumbo weather. It's, it's gumbo weather. It's great football weather, but it's also gumbo weather. I, myself, prefer a chicken and sausage gumbo. That's my go-to. Look, I love seafood gumbo. Don't get me wrong. But if I had a preference... 
my wife's chicken and sausage gumbo all day, twice on Sunday. Yes, five names. When Tina makes some, hopefully this week, you will be brought some of her chicken and sausage gumbo. You'll be taken care of, as always. Not to worry. But that's me. But I've ate a lot of gumbo in a lot of different places. And I've lived in New Orleans, and I've lived in outside of Baton Rouge. I've lived in Monroe, Alexandria, Lafayette, worked in New Iberia, worked in Ville Platte, worked in Lake Charles. So I, I, I've spent m- most of my life, 44 glorious years, spent in Louisiana in trying all different types of gumbo, Creole, Cajun. But the thing that I've found in my years, the thing that be, proves to be the more decisive thing is whether or not you have okra in it or not. That's the thing that always stands out to me. Tomatoes is not a thing because people will just lose their mind about tomatoes. (laughs) Which is always funny to me. (laughs) Or as our guy Salty Steve messaged me earlier, Mama says, if you put tomatoes or mushrooms in a gumbo, you're going to trigger her Matuya Amlicata, signed Bobby Boucher. Yeah. I, I don't want tomatoes up in my gumbo. But see, here's the thing, though. If someone does put tomatoes in the gumbo, I will probably go and get the pot of gumbo and put extra tomatoes so I can eat tomatoes by himself because I'll have the flavoring from the gumbo. I, I just love, like, tomatoes. Not as big of like a tomato like eating like an apple like sister does, but like a good cooked tomato, I can probably take that out and just like eat it by itself because the gumbo flavor in it. I prefer my tomatoes to be fresh. I don't necessarily need them in a soup, big chunks of soup or anything like that, or a gumbo. Okay. Now if I want my tomato, I want a nice garden fresh tomato, I slice it up, put it on some bread with some mayonnaise and some pepper and salt, and boom, I got my tomato sandwich, I'm good all day. Or fresh tomatoes for a BLT. Ooh. Mm. Come on now. She's this big, huge Creole tomato. I don't want one of those. I never had one, I think. But tomatoes is one thing. Whether or not you'd have a smoked turkey neck in there is another thing. We had Rockefeller call earlier and say, you know, he, you, know, you can have a delicious taste in gumbo without having meat that has bones in it. He doesn't have to worry, be paranoid about eating bones. That's part of it. But okra, man, that's the thing that I've always found is the most polarizing topic when it comes to to, to to the gumbo. And that leads us to our foodie poll question of the day. Do you use okra in your gumbo? 71% of you say no. 29% do say yes. And we've already had some great comments on this on our foodie poll question of the day. But I do love John Paul Cajun Daddy's one earlier says, Tomatoes do not go in gumbo. Do not say that again. And he typed it in all caps, which makes me happy. <laughs> Rockefeller brought up putting chunk of tomato in your gumbo. Not tomato, a potato in your gumbo. You've heard that. I don't, I don't have potatoes in my gumbo. I don't. Now, what my wife will make... You know, you have nice potatoes in a stew or 
sometimes there'll be potatoes and um pot roast well pot roast. my wife makes a mean shrimp and egg stew and sometimes we'll put potatoes in that so you know you'll have that but i just like you know just chicken and sausage man chicken sausage gumbo that's my go-to but uh okra got nowhere now if you'll fry up some okra on the side i'll eat some fried okra now but too many people don't cook it right too many people don't cook it right they just don't it's all slimy ain't nobody want that ain't nobody want that just saying I don't. Now, fried okra, I'll eat all day long. I'll eat me some fried okra. But okra in the gumbo, not my thing. It's not my wife's thing either. But some of you do like it. Salty Steve says, well, good little shrimp and okra gumbo. Understand. Let's head out to the hotline. Welcome on Doug to the show, who's been patiently waiting Doug, good morning to your brother. What's on your mind, my friend? Oh, good morning, Ray. You know, your, er- your earlier caller who uh, described an authentic okra gumbo is 100% correct. That, that's, how you auth- that's how you do it old school. You smother your gumbo, your okra, and you add whatever meat you want to it. Um, my, my preferred meat is, is turkey neck. That's that's the best to me. Oh, there you go. Oh, yeah. Now, now, everybody has their own taste. Of course. At, at gumbos, you know. You can take your okra gumbo, smothered okra meat. You can even add a, a tablespoon of root to give it a, a, a root taste, you know. Each his own, you know. Uh, okra, I like it fried. That's, that's my preferred way of eating okra. Um, and tomatoes, I like tomatoes and uh, chicken and tomato sauce gravy. Oh, now you're talking. That, that's how I like They're not whole tomatoes. I'll put tomato slices, you know, and just cook it in my tomato sauce and add the chicken. That's the best way to eat uh, tomatoes for me. I but got anyway, you, brother. Ray, I got you, brother. Appreciate the phone call, my friend. Gumbo weather, brother. I know, bud. Have a good day, Ray. You too, bud. Let's head back out to the hotline. Welcome on, Paul, to the show. Paul, good morning to you, brother. You use okra in your gumbo, yes or no? Say again? Do you use okra in your gumbo, yes or no? Yeah, you got to put okra in your gumbo. It depends what kind of gumbo you cooking. All right. You're doing a chicken gumbo, you're doing an okra gumbo, you're doing a seafood gumbo. You know, it depends what kind of gumbo you're doing. All right. Well, which kind? Which kind do you put the okra in, my my friend? What are you the going with? Gumbo. Say that again. You, you, the okra gumbo. If you're doing an okra gumbo, put a, a okra in there. If you're doing a duck gumbo, you don't put no okra in there. There it's it a is. Duck gumbo. There you it know is. what I mean? That's why each has its own special identity of a name. See, and that's you the see? thing. A lot of people say that, Paul, to bring up your point, because a lot of people. You know, it will say, look, and we've had a lot of callers this morning say that is, look, 
an okra gumbo is just by itself. Like it's not being, it's it's not a combination of anything else. It's very specific old school okra gumbo by itself. Now, some people try to be putting the okra though in the other types of gumbo, and that's a no no, right? I say it's a no no. Some people cook it and it'd be tasting good, but I still tell them about themselves. You know, that's supposed to be okra. I mean, I I still tell them about themselves, he said. I do. I take, I take cooking very serious. You know, I'm Chef VIP. Everybody can cook. Anybody can cook, but can you be a chef? There it is, brother. You have to be able to identify these different things. You know, you can't be doing a seafood gumbo and putting chicken and sausage and, you know, all these other animals in there. It's a seafood gumbo. It's supposed to be seafood. I mean, it says it. It says it. I mean, that's the rules. I had somebody, you know, it wasn't that long ago. I forget where I was at. It was some some type of event or something like that, or some type of party, and someone had gumbo, and it was chicken and sausage gumbo, but it also had shrimp and crab in it, and had okra. Mm. It's like they took all the gumbos and mixed gumbo it into one gumbo. In one. I know, I know, I know. I get on them, and what people don't understand when it comes to cooking, each animal tastes different. That's right, each and you got to cook it differently. Has a unique taste. So you, what you gonna do? Put some turtle in there with some duck. You saying the frog legs? I mean, I mean, I get it if that's what you want to do, but it all has its unique taste and flavor. So you can't mix some animals together to make a meal. You just can't. It won't come out right. And the smell stinks. <laughs> it's true. It's true. It's worse than roadkill. Oh my road man, kill. my man. You know, hey, bud. Congratulations on your Yankees winning the division last night. Uh, Oh man, talk about that! Look, I'm a little underneath the weather, but talk about a glorious day. That's going you foot. I don't know about foot yet, but this y'all gonna help me get through with this good Yankee spirit of winning. I don't know what foot coming on today, so I'm not gonna count on him. He might make my day just go down. <laughs> Yankees, Yankees definitely. You know, we doing that. I told everybody we'll win the World Series, and I'm still sticking by it. There you go, brother. I was watching the uncivil war between the Yankees and the um, Dodgers about 78, 79. You need to check it out. It's awesome. Oh, I remember. You know, really. And, you know, I call for last but not least, RP. I want to say this. If a person eats dried noodles, they're not allowed to touch no pop. <laughs> Thank, no you, pop. Thank you, Paul. Thank you, Paul. Have a good one. <laughs> Have a great day, brother. <laughs> Oh, five names. I can't believe you let him in. I can't believe you let Paul in. If you eat dry noodles, you don't need to be near anywhere near a pot, my man says. Let's head back. Rockefeller's back again. My man's got plenty to say. What's on your mind, bud? Hey, I want to let y'all know we all we talking about food and stuff this morning. Gumbo is great. Gumbo is great. Don't get me wrong. That's, that's it's the time of the season. But don't forget, there's only one thing that will top <clears throat> excuse me, that will top a gumbo, okay? Right now, this time of the season, and that's a cubion, baby. That's, that's, that's the only thing right now. You come with your catfish cubion, your red fish cubion, your speckled trout cubion, and there you go. And you can put some shrimp in there. Now, Gumbo, talk to me. You can't mess with cubion, Mr. Gumbo. Talk to me. Hey, you know, one of my wife's favorite, her best dishes that she makes, Rockefeller, is 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 is, is a catfish one. And I, I never had it. I never That's had right. it before, and she made it, and I was like, "Wow!" Like it was just a game changer to me, brother. He's a game changer. And Paul, and Paul, right? Y'all stay away from them Roman noodles. They'll kill y'all. <laughs> y'all eat more cubion. Y'all laugh will be great. Talk to y'all later. <laughs> Thank you, Rockefeller. Have a great day. Oh yeah, when my wife made that, I was like, I was like, "What are you doing?" I was like, "What, what are you doing?" And she goes, "Trust me on this." 
Like my wife has has just opened opened me up. She made that first time I ever had like a shrimp and egg stew, and I was like, "This is amazing." <laughs> Woo! My wife takes care of you, boy. Just saying, just saying. She does. Catfish. She makes a great etouffee. Best etouffee I ever had. She makes. I was like, "Poof!" She don't mess around. My wife is a Cajun woman from St. Landry Parish. She don't mess around in the kitchen. Has there been multiple times where I've been possibly slapped on my hand for not doing something right? Yep. Got to respect. You got to respect. You got to respect the the Cajun woman in the kitchen. I stepped back. I said, yes, ma'am. We got time for one more before we hit our timeout. Old school cowboy fan. Good morning, brother. What's on your mind? How you doing this morning, RP3? What's up, bud? I just called in and messed around in them. I heard they call you. I don't know why y'all talking about gumbo. Let's talk about the Saints. Let's talk about that. Put them in a gumbo. Yeah, Ryan, I just called. Yeah, Ryan, I just called in and messed with him now. Y'all have a good morning now. Tell me, tell me, put the Saints in a gumbo. <laughs> have a good day, brother. All right. Enjoy y'all have your day. A day. <laughs> you too, man. <laughs> oh man, we're having fun today. It's a fun day. I love Wednesdays because y'all come out, man. Love it. Love it when y'all call. Keep it coming. Game hotline's open, 337-706-0111. We got to take a timeout. More RP3 and company right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. RP3 is known across Acadiana as a master of the English language. You look at all the guys that they got. Clinton Anukoraru, oof, and I don't know how to pronounce this young man's name. TJ Falola. More like a master of broken English, that is. They also added an inside linebacker, Casey Wasawi. These names are killing me, man. I even practiced last night. Me fail English? That's impossible. Now back to that silky smooth delivery of RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Park International will be a buzz this Saturday for Ladin Music Fest. The family-friendly event puts the spotlight on the beautiful and bold Ladin culture in our community. Celebrate the bold tastes and sounds of Ladin culture. Admission is only $10. Kids 12 and under get in free. And Cuban superstar Sima Funk headlines the lineup of Ladin artists. That's Ladin Music Fest this Saturday from 4 to 10 at Park International in downtown Lafayette. For more information, visit Festival International dot org all types of events coming up this weekend and then all through the month of october you got the sweet dough pie festival coming up in grand Coteau, which we always go to yeah i think the rice festival in crowley Woo, lots of stuff going on in the month of october let's head out to the hotline welcome on mr green new to twitter but not new to us. Jamie, good morning, sir. How are you? Good morning, Mr. Third. I'm doing great. I, I'm loving this weather, and it's nice and, and, and comfortable, and I'm not sweating my, myself off at 
you know, six in the morning trying to get ready for school. It's, it's great. <laughs> that is great. Now, are you going to call and talk about the poll question, bud? A little bit. I just wanted to say one thing, and, and, and I posted on Twitter, or I guess it's tweeted on Twitter. I don't know. I'm, I'm new. Mrs. Five <laughs> is probably going to have to show me how to use it. I'm old, man. But look. Uh, I'm I, old. I'm old. How, Jamie, this. you're younger than I am. Not by much. So I don't feel old. Why are you trying to make us feel old, bud? I thought you Look, liked us. Say, What's going they, on here? They say, they say you're only as old as you feel. In that case, I'm a 97-year-old woman. <laughs> 97-year-old <laughs> woman, he says. Okay, go hard, bud. I'm sorry. I, I interrupted. So, no, no worries. <laughs> so I, I just wanted to say this is that, you know, there are lots of different ways to cook gumbo and you know, there are lots of different traditions, the Creole, the Cajun, the wannabe Creole, the wannabe Cajun. But all of this to say this, as long as quinoa is not involved, I'm okay with it. You know, I don't know if you remember that atrocity from about 10 years ago when Disney decided that they were going to say this is gumbo. And Louisiana United and said, you know what? We got bigger fish to fry than tomatoes and, and okra and gumbo. This dude's putting quinoa. So. What happened? We as long lost. as there's oh, no there. quinoa, I'm good. No quinoa. All right, brother. We'll make sure the next time next time the wife makes up a gumbo, we'll make sure none of that's in it. And, and we'll, we'll make sure to have, have you some. How about that? Hey, that sounds good. I still got to kick y'all some red beans and rice. Yeah, I'm still waiting. So is Hannah. She's shaking her head. <laughs> I'll, I'll have to see what I can do in the next couple of weeks. It's been busy. Appreciate the phone call, brother. Enjoy the rest of your day, my friend. Y'all too. Y'all take care. Jamie still has not delivered the red beans and rice. Five names. Would you like to address Jamie while we have a few minutes? I mean, I address a couple people. Like, you know, I'm still waiting on Jamie's red beans and rice. We're still waiting on Hart's uh, the Cajun turkey. It was uh, a crawfish boiled turkey. Crawfish boiled turkey. And I'm still waiting on Miss Tina's uh, etouffee. So, all the waiting is going on over here. <laughs> all the waiting is going on over here. <clears throat> yeah, now, someone did feed you taco soup last week. She did, and it was yeah. fantastic. And then I made my own taco soup, so now I'll have even more taco soup in my house. <laughs> Let's just get to some comments on our foodie poll question of the day. Do you use okra in your gumbo, yes or no? On Facebook, Jason <coughs> Gidry says, you smother okra down first, freeze some packs, add a few packs to the gumbo. <coughs> Randy Russell says, I'll add that cold beer as a must to go with gumbo, and anybody who doesn't like okra at all, you ain't right. <laughs> Cody Broussard says, I use okra and okra gumbo. Gumbo is not a one-size-fits-all. There are several variations. Randy Russell comments again, I'm not a Cajun. I'm born and raised in Pensacola, but all of the above. A properly cooked gumbo is great with or without gumbo. There you go. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Kyle says, the best gumbo has okra, rooster, gizzards, smoked sausage, shrimp, crabs, and oysters. What? I'm not into all the above, but I just can't stand having to do so much work for the crabs they put in it. Yeah, it's a lot of work with the crabs. I feel like crab is a lot of work, period. It is. My wife loves it, and she always wants to eat crab, and I'm just like, that's just so much work. 
<laughs> yeah, that's why like I'll go to oh, just too much. It's too much. I'll me. go to a certain store and I'll get like the bags they have of like the fresh crabs that are already cooked. So I'll get those and I'll get like shrimp too, so that I'll have both because there's not enough crab in those little 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 tiny eight bit little crabs. So I'll usually get both. I put them in like pasta. Jesse says RP three. Y'all from north of I ten, got to get that shrimp and okra gumbo. Love it. Keep those comments coming on our poll question of the day. Do you use okra in your gumbo? Right now, the votes are this. Let's see. 70% say no. 30% say yes. Already 50 votes on this bad boy. Do you use okra in your gumbo, yes or no? Let's head out to the hotline. Welcome on, Martin, to the show. Martin, good morning to you there, the vice chancellor of ERATH. How are you this morning? Oh, I'm doing fabulous. Even though you forgot to mention the most important festival of them all that's in October, and that is the Cattle Festival of Abbeville, buddy. That is Come coming on, up. Man. That is coming up. You I've never been. The, the little bit of... That, the little bit of true cowboys they got in the world, a little bit of credit. Come on, man. I've Come never on, man. I've never been. I've always wanted to go, brother. Is it a good time? Oh, what now? If you really want to go to a festival, go to the Giant Omelet Festival. I think you'd, you'd enjoy yourself with that, too. Oh, yes. Yes. you uh, got to go to the Omelet Festival. I mean, it's a pretty good time. But both of them are good. The music's usually good, you know. Now, uh... I don't know if y'all touched on it any way uh, in, uh, yet this week, but uh, you see that the NFL gets even better and better by the day. They're replacing the Pro Bowl with the Pro Bowl games. It's but, like a, a week worth of competitions like flag football and some other skill challenges yeah, stuff like, like that. Well, yeah, they're replacing the whole game with flag football. So I got some more breaking news uh, just in uh, um, the Martin Center. Uh, upon further review, because there's still too much contact in flag football, they will be replacing flag football with a friendly game of Red Rover, Red Rover. <laughs> and could you just, could you just mad, imagine Red Rover, Red Rover, let Tom Brady come over. Flag on the play, roughing the Rover, Tom Brady, you know I mean? You don't always have somebody cheating for that man, you know? But, uh, but yeah, I just think it's, it, uh, the whole NFL is a comedy act. I'm like, man... If they think their ratings are low right now, who wants to watch flag football? I mean, I, I mean, there's a reason why I watch the lingerie league right now because they got more contact than they, they NFL, the regular NFL. You know, I mean, come on, man, come on. What are you doing, <laughs> Roger Goodell? Oh, what are you Mar- now, All right, but quickly, I gotta let you go. I got another caller waiting, man. All right, you put okra in the gumbo, yes or no? No, I, I mean, yes, yes, yes. You gotta definitely put okra in the gumbo. As long as you don't put tomato paste, every you can put whatever you want. Have a good one, Mr. ORP3. We them girls. We them girls. Uh, do we have anyone else still on the line? Oh, we had someone on the line, but they dropped, even though they were up next. Even though they were up next. Once again, if you want to get your thoughts in on our poll question of the day, 
do you put okra in the gumbo? You give us a call on the game hotline, 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111. We got to take a timeout. More RP3 and company coming up right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Half the week is in the books, which means it's time to talk Bayou Bengals with Tiger Details columnist, the Mad Dog himself, Ron Higgins. Here is Hold That Tiger on RP3 and Company. Before we get to the Mad Dog to talk all things LSU, we have a special caller that is on the line. Let's head out to the hotline. Apparently, uh, Tina and Hattie Parcher on the line. It's a combo call. Good morning, ladies. Good morning. Morning. So, baby girl, you wanted to comment on the poll question of the day? Sure. <laughs> sure. So, I mean, I don't know what it is yet, but okay. Okay. Now, do you like okra in your gumbo? Mommy makes it with no okra. Other people do. What do you prefer, okra in the gumbo or no okra? No okra, definitely. Who puts okra in our gumbo? <laughs> A lot of other people, baby girl. <laughs> Thank you for calling, sweetheart. I hope you have a tremendous day at school. Dad, remember what we talked about last night? Yes, 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 sweetheart. <laughs> Oh, I love that kid, man. I love that kid. All right, let's head back out to the hotline. We got Ron. He's our first guest of the day. He's a good sport. He's patiently waiting. Good morning, brother. How are you? I can't even compare to that. <laughs> I, I would just, she could just have my spot. And let's just go. Okay. Let's <laughs> just go. Just let, let her go. The, 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 the baby girl, 10, 15, it's just awesome. She's, she's, she's ready to go, brother. She's ready to go. <laughs> Who in the world puts okra in her gumbo? <laughs> uh, and you're, and you're a long time. Now, let me ask you. you know, you're obviously Louisiana native. Uh, for those that don't know, uh, your, your daddy was a legend, a uh, legendary sports information director, um, a, a class act, a guy that influenced and mentored a slew of different journalists in our business. So you grew up, went to LSU, but you've also spent a good part of your career working elsewhere, working in Memphis, working in Mississippi and other places. Uh, it is How different is it eating gumbo, the tried-and-true Louisiana dish, outside of Louisiana? It's pretty awful. Really, it's awful. It's awful. It, it, they have no clue. <laughs> what, what they uh just the consistency of the of the roux first of all they can't spell roux they think it's like kangaroo yeah is that a roux r-o-o uh they, they don't know how to make it i mean when, when i found a really good you know uh cajun restaurant in memphis i mean i, I made sure the guy was like, like from thibodeau or homa or south louisiana uh, and I found a couple like that, and they were just un—they they nailed it. But these other places, not really. And and and, and along the SEC trail, you run into uh, really good places, uh, Cajun places, where the it's a Louisiana native who's a chef running it. Uh, I don't know if the place is still open; it may be closed by now. But 
there was a place in downtown Athens, Georgia, called Harry Bissett's New Orleans uh, Cafe, and it was outstanding. Uh, but yeah, most places. In the, look, man, most places aren't Louisiana as far as food. But what they, what the rest of the nation thinks is spicy, is nothing to us. Okay, so uh, no, you know, it's no. That's right, I mean, and, and and so many other places, Ron. They think they they think the only thing is is making things hot, spicy hot, and that's the key to and no, it, it's all about layers and layers of seasoning. Yeah, yeah, and 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 taste and, and infusing taste. I mean, you you can get you can get seafood in Florida and seafood in Louisiana. It's totally different, totally different. Absolutely. You know I mean? And uh, you know, here we we have seafood and, and you know we put stuff on it that makes it even better. Most of those places, they were, they'll just grill it and put a little, you know, little seasoning on it, or you know, little lemons or whatever. And it's like, eh, it's just like, you know, where's the taste? Uh, but yeah, <laughs> this look, man. This, look, when I came back here like ten years ago, man, I, I think I put on twenty pounds. I've never taken off uh, uh, because the, the food's just too damn good. It's too good. It's just, yeah, it's just too good. I mean, that's something I, I missed. You know, Memphis is all about barbecue. Uh, uh, and and the, all, the big debate for barbecue people is, uh, do you put coleslaw on your uh, pulled pork sandwich or chopped pork sandwich? Uh, I mean, they're supposed to, be, supposed to come on there. You have to ask it for, without slaw. That's the big debate in, in Memphis for barbecue. So, Or wet or dry ribs. Do you like your ribs wet or dry? Or do you want them dry? You can put your own sauce on. So There you go. I see now, see now, now, now we're just going down. Just going to talk all nothing but food, but we do have to talk some, some LSU. All right, bud. Look, there's not a lot of big takeaways from uh, an inferior opponent, right? It it wasn't Southern, but it wasn't, uh, you know, a a great opponent. But LSU executed its game plan, posted a shutout. They improved a three and one on the season. Let's start with the quarterback. He's seemingly getting more and more comfortable, and this offense seems to kind of getting better week after week. What do you make of Jane Daniels and how the Tigers' offense has looked as they head into their first SEC road game this week at Auburn? Uh, I thought it had its most complete game last week. Uh, Jane Daniels last week was going to stay in that pocket, hell or high water. He wasn't moving. I mean – uh, it's ironic that he, he, you know, he got a little bit hurt by staying in the pocket too long when he got the play he got hurt on. Uh, but he's okay. He strained his back. They pulled him down by the, by the, his Jersey. If that was like in 1970 or 80, that defender would have like a handful of jersey in his hand because they were tearaway jerseys, which are illegal now and tearaway jerseys. The guy would grab something and just rip off your back and you keep running. Uh, but yeah, he, he, I thought he looked really good. I mean, he was 24 or 29. Uh, you know, went to a bunch of different receivers. Uh, uh, there are a few times he could have taken off early and, and didn't. Uh, so yeah, I thought it was a complete game by him. I thought the running game was really good. Uh, Noah Kane, the Penn State transfer from Baton Rouge, came off the came off the bench had an outstanding game. Uh, you know, Emory's getting a little bit bit better game by game. Uh, Armani Goodwin hurt a hamstring. I, I think he, I don't think he'll play this week. Uh, you know, and Josh Williams pl- played good too. I mean, I thought it was their best overall game offensively. Uh, and then, you know, I mean, uh, 
I mean, the, the, the cache, everybody had like, like I, six, seven people, well, six or seven people with four different caches. Uh, and it's just, uh, I thought it was spread out. I, I, of course, the defense was lights out. I mean, they gave up two first downs the whole game, none in the second half, gave up 12 yards in the second half. Uh, yeah, New Mexico wasn't great, but I mean, the, they recruited D1 players. And then, and I thought LSU, this, I thought LSU, this was LSU's biggest step yet. Uh, as far as getting all the things that are kind of out there that have been that nagging them kind of cleaned up. And now they go to Auburn, which uh, barely got by Missouri. Probably should have lost to Missouri. Auburn's uh, on their backup quarterback, Ashford. He's been banged up. And I heard their line's not very good. So um, LSU should win this game, but this is the SEC and, and this is Auburn. And, and this is, LSU, yeah. Auburn, it's it's the Auburn series, which is always, always a weird game. Bizarre yeah. things happen in this game, and a year after year after year. I mean, you go back to 2019, their biggest test, that LSU great team, their Auburn. biggest test was Auburn that year. Yeah, they came out and played a goofy-looking defense that LSU hadn't seen and took LSU probably three quarters to figure it out. Yeah. Uh, one of those days LSU's running game had to kind of carry him one of the few days until they kind of figured out some passing stuff in the fourth, fourth quarter. But yeah, I mean, this has always been a really crazy series. You know, it's just been defined by game winning field goals and field goals that have missed and Leonard Fournette running over people. Uh, you know, Auburn's basketball, old basketball gym burning down next to Jordan Hare stadium during the LSU game one year. Uh, just a, a, a a crazy series in which anything can happen. Uh, you know, Cam Newton carrying Patrick Peterson in the last ten, like five or ten yards of a, on, a, on a carry for a touchdown. Oh, that was a oh, stupid play. Kind of like his defining moment in Cam Newton's uh, uh, Heisman Trophy year. Uh, so yeah, I mean, this it's it's a uh, you know, I mean, LSU Alabama is always uh, you know a game you want to watch and. LSU has some old rivals like Ole Miss, and there's a lot of hate for Florida. But this series is just absolutely wacky. And, and that's why I need, and, uh, you need to go in there and with total focus or else uh, you may come out a loser. L LSU really doesn't need to lose this game. But they, uh, this is a game uh, because Auburn's been, been so up and down and hasn't looked great. Their quarterback play has been really uneven. Uh, and their, like I said, their line has been shaky. This is a game LSU should win. If it if it if it again improves, uh, they get some people back this week. Uh, uh, Kayshawn Booty's back this week. We'll see if he shows up and feels like playing this week. Uh, and uh, Joe Fouché, the Arkansas safety defensive back, who's been ineligible so far, uh, he's ready to roll. He's, he's eligible now. I talked to him last night. He's he's uh, he's so fired up, ready to play. So they get some people back this week. Uh, that they haven't had. And so they'll go in there, uh, you know, pretty much ready to go. I, I think uh, I, 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 this is the first time they've been outside the state of uh, Louisiana for a game, the first road game. And so we'll see how it goes. But Well, how important uh, is it, Ron, for them to go and get a win? Because, look, uh, Auburn has an embattled coach. It looks like they want to try to fire him. Reports were – he was going to get fired if they lost to Mizzou, and they somehow found a way to win that game. 
T.J. Finley's not going to play the former LSU quarterback. The Texas A&M transfers out all year as well. He was going to be another guy. So they're down to really their third quarterback. Offensive line is shaky. But for LSU, you look after this game, it's top 10 Tennessee. Then it's in the swamp at Florida. Then it's Ole Miss coming off a 10-win season. And then the bye, and then it's Alabama and Arkansas and A&M. So the gauntlet is coming. How important is it for them to to get to 4-1 and one this weekend with a win against Auburn? Yeah, when you put in that that perspective, who's coming up on their schedule? I mean, this is a game that that you look at, you think they can they can win it. Uh, other ones, I mean, Tennessee is going to be extremely hard. Uh, an eleven o'clock game uh, in Tiger Stadium. I know Tiger fans aren't happy, but I think LSU's won like six 11 o'clock games in a row. Yeah, they've dominated it with the eleven o'clock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know fans are don't like it because they have to adjust their drinking if they're starting three o'clock in the morning. I get that. Uh, but the, the, the tough part of schedule is getting ready to come up. This, this is the last game uh, really until maybe for the rest of the season. Even, I mean, UAB could be challenging in November, the not last non-conference game. So this, this is probably the last game where you think LSU, uh, it, it you know, honestly might be, might be favored. I mean, really, honestly. Uh, so, yeah, they need to win this game. They, re- they really do. Uh, if you watched Auburn last week, they, I mean, they, they weren't very good. They should have gotten beat. Uh, Penn State handled them really easy. Uh, and again, you've got a, 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 a program with a bunch of quarterback injuries. And uh, so, you know, I, I know people said their quarterback's mobile, but the whole thing is, you know, what does LSU go up against in all preseason with Jaden Daniels? There's nobody more mobile than Jaden Daniels. So LSU's defense has seen, has seen a mobile quarterback. They understand how he plays. Uh, I think Jaden Daniels in the preseason has given LSU's defense really good training on how to play a scrambling quarterback. All right, bud, get you out of here with this. A lot of, po- a lot of folks upset about the, the kick for the following week against Tennessee. I was a little surprised, though, that CBS went with old-fashioned hate at um, – or no, the South's oldest rivalry, rather. That's the Georgia-Auburn game at 2.30. I, I expected Bama A&M to be the primetime game. Are you surprised that CBS passed on LSU and Tennessee, knowing that LSU probably will be ranked in the top 25, too, by that time? Well, even if LSU is not ranked in the top 25 by that time, I, I would have passed on Auburn. I mean, I mean, I know Georgia's number one team in the nation, but who wants to watch them beat somebody like forty-five to seven? Uh, LSU Tennessee is going to be a great game, and I mean, you know, LSU we're going to lose this week. LSU Tennessee is going to be a great game. It's going to be great because they they usually play great games, and strange things happen. Uh, you know, last time they were in, in Tiger Stadium was the the crazy game where you know. T. Bob Abier had to snap the ball over quarterback's head to draw a penalty in the last play of the game from Tennessee, so LSU could run one extra play and win the game. Uh, so yeah, crazy things happen in this game, uh, and I, I, I just think that uh, the nation got cheated out for watching a really good game, so they could watch Georgia beat the hell out of Auburn. I mean, 
that that Georgia Auburn game. I, I know it's the oldest rivalry, but if Georgia comes out and focuses, that game's going to be like thirty-five zip at halftime. <laughs> and, and and Auburn could be on an interim coach for that game too, as well. Oh, absolutely, brother. I'm I'm up against a break. I appreciate your time as always. We'll talk to you next week, my friend. You know, I've had some really good lead-ins from my segment, but your your daughter may have been the best. <laughs> Thank you, bud. Who puts okra in their gumbo? <laughs> Love that. <laughs> oh, Mad Dog, have a great week, bud. <laughs> I can't wait because she's about 15. Oh, my God. Good luck. Oh, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, brother. <laughs> we got to take a timeout. Wrap up hour number two. That's next here on RP3 and Company. You're listening to The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Poll question of the day is our foodie poll question of the week. Do you use okra in your gumbo right now? Latest vote tallies on this because we're all about giving you update information. 69% of you say no. 31% say yes. We've had a slew of callers as well. Ton on Twitter says, oh, my God, I love hearing your daughter call in too hilarious. Uh, uh, Hattie Elise Parch gave her take about our poll question of the day, saying, quote, who puts okra in their gumbo? But with a little bit more sass than that. Darren says, it's gumbo you can put anything in it. Okra makes it even better. I'll buy it if you cook it. My man D. Tad says, Jesus take the will. All the words, tomatoes, okra, gumbo. No. <laughs> See, I told you, this is like one of the things that gets people so fired up, man. This is what gets people fired up. Mr. Green says, okra and tomatoes are found more in Creole gumbos. Ain't nothing wrong with it, but I prefer to not have okra in my gumbo. Pickled okra on the side, though? Chef's kiss. And Mr. Green says, see if I can cook some red beans and rice Sunday the 16th since I'll have fall break Monday and Tuesday that week. Where do I bring it to get if I get to cook them? We will make arrangements with you, Jamie, not to worry. Hannah Five Names will take point on that. That's going to do it for hour number two. Hour number three, we'll kick it off with Jay Walker. That's next right here on The Game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Everything, everything, everything gonna be all right this morning. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Oh, the comments just keep on coming on our poll question of the day on Wednesday. That's always our foodie poll question of the week. Do you use okra in your gumbo? 70% of you overwhelmingly say no. 30% say yes. Y'all have hit up the hotline with a barrage of phone calls (laughs) on this subject. Tons of comments. Jonathan 
on Twitter says, one time in Texas had a guy from Houston put everything in a gumbo, tomato, shrimp, snow crab, chicken, sausage. Worst thing I've ever ate. But his grandmother was Cajun, LOL. Kyle Bertrand says, the fourth type of gumbo has okra, rooster, smoked sausage, gizzard, shrimp, crab, and oysters. Sir Stretch on Twitter says, get them slimy green veggies out of my gumbo. Y'all are fired up about this. Fired up about this. American Tiger on Twitter says, no okra. That's nasty, bah. Okra pioneers had to be starving and desperate. No tomatoes either, please. And no smoked beet and a shrimp or seafood gumbo and no shrimp and a chicken and sausage gumbo. And Darren replies, what do you eat? (laughs) So keep those comments coming on our poll question of the day, which is our foodie poll question of the week. Do you use okra in your gumbo, yes or no? Right now, though, it's time for us to talk some Louisiana Raging Cajun football. Started off Sunbelt Conference play with a disappointing loss up in Funroe. They're going to look to get on track and snap their two-game losing skid when South Alabama, a very tough South Alabama team, comes to town this weekend for homecoming. To break it all down for us is the longtime voice of the Raging Cajuns, Mr. Jay Walker, joins us now. Jay, good morning to you, brother. How are you? I'm terrific. The weather's beautiful. Thinking about our friends in Florida and what they're going through, and an absolute yes to okra in the gumbo. Jay, going against the grain, not surprising, says he likes okra in the gumbo. Absolute yes. I appreciate you commenting on the poll question of the day brother all right let's get to last week's game uh summarize it for us what's ailing the raging cajuns right now well you know i i think the 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 biggest thing that's ailing them is something that i don't know can be fixed and that's the play at the offensive line um you know they had 17 plays in the game on saturday 17 rushing plays that went for two yards or fewer. Now, we're not used to that because the Cajuns have had a good power running game since 2005. Yeah. Um, and they just, they've just not been able to get untracked. And, and I just don't know if that part of it is going to get any better. I, I know they'll continue to work with those guys up front. But, I, but, but, Ray, I think that we all glossed over how much they lost on the offensive line, not just the four starters, but three of their top backups as well. And so, you know, the, it, it is what it is. Uh, you know, I think that's the biggest issue. Now, on top of that, they had a breakdown in special teams, very unusual for this Cajun team. They had a breakdown in special teams. Um, you know, they had a couple of critical drops, and they gave up two big plays on defense. I thought defensively they played well, but they gave up two big plays and it wound up costing them. And Jay, you you mentioned it is, you know, this team has prided itself on tremendous special teams play that's actually helped them win games, big games over the last five years or so. And they've always been able to run the football. And I mentioned to someone, they're like, well, I just don't understand. I go, guys, I go, you realize Robert Hunt was graded as one of the best offensive linemen this past week. He's a starter in the NFL. Dotson is a starter in the NFL. You have Max Mitchell, who's starting as a rookie in the NFL. I go, and then you have another guy who transferred out, went to Florida, who's projected to be a NFL draft pick as well. 
those guys don't grow on trees, and those guys aren't common for a program like UL. It's just not that way. And to expect them just to be able to replace those guys is a little naive. I'm going to be honest. Yeah, uh, I agree with that. And and at the same time, you know, I, I think what – you know, losing the four starters really hurt, but losing the three backups really hurt too. Yes, I mean you have you've got a few guys that probably would be starting for the Cajuns this year. So you know you've you've lost great linemen before, but you've been able to to replace them in your lineup. But you've lost so many guys that you've got to do a rebuild now in the offensive line, and I, and and I think that caught us all by surprise a little bit. Uh, and and that's our fault for the expectations, I think. Right, because we just thought it was just going to keep rolling right along. Now, if you had those backups stay, and let's say you had Osiris, like I, I even contend, even if Osiris had left, which he did, and he's starting for Florida right now, even if, but if you were able to keep the backups, they would be in far better shape. Because I agree with you, those guys got reps and they understand the system. Now they're not there, and that hurts them even more because, as you said, you lose four starters, and you lose, so you lost seven linemen. You lost seven. Yeah. Name me a team yeah. in America that can deal with losing seven offensive linemen. No, you're right. No, you're absolutely <clears throat> right. And um, so you know, look, it is what it is, and you know they're going to keep working with those guys and try to get them better. Um, but there's going to be a deficiency there, I think. Um, I think all season long, and it's something that's got to be addressed in recruiting. And that means that your margin for error has really, really shrunk. So you can't have breakdowns in your kicking game. You know, you can't give up 75 and 89-yard plays during the course of a game. When when the ball's thrown to you, you got to catch it. I mean, you've just got, got to play that much better everywhere else in order to make up for the deficiency that you have. Now that we kind of see this, we're four games in, Jay, and we see that, look, the offensive line is going to be a work in progress, and that's going to be something that may hold them back. Do you think this is going to change Coach Dez and his staff's philosophy on how to run their offense, knowing that they have some limitations there with the line? Does this Do they tweak what they try to do on offense now to be able to put up uh, more points and have more sustaining drives? I, I think that, you know, they're going to have to realize that sometimes on third and two, third and one, you need to throw the football. Um, because a lot of those failures they had in the running game were on third and short. And so, uh, you know, I think they're going to have to, they're going to have to modify that a little bit. That is not to say they can't run the football on third and one, but they can't do it every time. Right. They're going to have to mix things up, throw the football in short yardage situations and move the chains that way because they're just not going to be able to do it the way they've always done it, which is run the football on third and short. Talking with Jay Walker, longtime voice of the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. He joins us here in RP3 and company. So they lose to ULM, in-state rival. It's a big deal for Terry Bowden and his staff up there. But, And I know a lot of Raging Cajun fans feel like the sky is falling, Jay. I, I get that. Sure. I, I, sure. And I get it. I understand. But... Yes, this is their first Sunbelt West Division loss in, in years. I get all that. I understand it. But they can right the ship, so to speak, by beating a very good South Alabama team on Saturday for homecoming and 
th- then they're back to being three and two and still have a shot of winning the division and still have a shot of playing for a conference championship and still have a shot to going to a good bowl game. So uh, the season didn't end after week four, right? I mean, I get it. It's a loss, but the season's not over. Uh, you know, you, you, you had folks on, on message boards, you know, oh, we need to fire the coach four <laughs> games into his career, right? Um, you know, it, that, but you know what? I, I, I just pass on that because that's the lowest common denominator of fan right there. That, I, those folks are the loudest, but they don't speak for the fan base. Um, South Alabama, you know, I've been saying this for about three years now, Ray. If they get a quarterback, they're going to be really good. Yeah, you and, well, I, you and I have, have been talking about this for three years. You're right. They, they have a quarterback. They have a quarterback now. And um, as a result, they're very good. And, and if you want to know, in my opinion, how good, I think they're as good as anybody in that juggernaut Eastern Division. I, I think South Alabama is very capable of playing for and winning a conference championship. I think they're that good. What's the things that they do so well besides the quarterback play? Oh, they play defense. Yeah, they do. Uh, you know, they're, they're, they're you know, I, I think they're the best defensive team in the league, although Old Dominion's been very good so far, but I haven't seen the Monarchs play, so I can't comment too much about that. Um, no, they're a really good defensive football team, and they're holding their opponents to about 80 yards rushing per game. Um, and, and look, it's not like they played a bunch of donkeys, okay? They, they, um, they opened up with Nichols. You know, they, they blew out an FCS school. Then they went to Central Michigan, played a pretty decent Chippewas team, and beat them double digits. And then they went out to UCLA, and, you know, Kane Womack maybe outcoached himself, called a fake field goal, didn't work. They lose by a field goal at the buzzer. And then last week, they took Louisiana Tech and just kicked their butt. So, I, you know, this is a very good football team. Now, having said that, Ray, and, I, and you, might, you might next week – Say, hey, Jay, you said ha, 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 and you're wrong, and I might be. But I expect the Cajuns to come out and play their best game of the year. And the reason I say that is I've looked at what this team has done. And I remember when the Cajuns played South Alabama last year, Diego Guajardo missed a field goal that would have won the game for the Jaguars. And afterwards, that same lowest common denominator of fan was was talking about we're we're not that good. This is terrible. We didn't sign up for this. We're tired of finishing second. Blah blah blah. And what happened the next week? They beat App State by four touchdowns. So, I think this team's going to play its best game of the year Saturday. Is it going to be good enough? I don't know, because I think South Alabama is a really good football team. But I expect the Cajuns to come out and play well Saturday. I agree with you. Uh, I remember being at the game last year in Mobile. It rained the whole day, remember, and he missed the kick. And that's oh, yeah, a game. And, and that's a game South Alabama should have won, and they didn't. Mm-hmm. But and I expect this to be a good game, and I do expect the Cajuns to be focused, coming off a loss and everything like that. The season does feel like to me, and I also said this as well, Jay, and I know you you said this as well. I, I told people even if Billy would have stayed, this is not going to be a thirteen win type of season. They they lost a ton. Like a ton, a ton, a ton. And this is going to remind, this feels like a transitional year because it is because you're going to a new coach. But it feels kind of like Billy's first year where they were up and down. 
They and they got they were good enough to to win the division and play for the cha- uh, conference championship and get into a bowl game. But they were only what like a seven win team that year. This kind of feels the same to me about this team. A- am I completely wrong there? Well, time will tell. But I will say this: if, if uh, folks remember the the 2018 Raging Cajuns at the midpoint of the season had a losing record. That's right. Uh, and they re- and they really righted the ship the second half of the season. Um, you know, is that going to happen this time around? We'll see. But no, you're you're absolutely right. You know, when when Billy Napier took over, the Cajuns got off to a pretty slow start, and they were doing a lot of things not very well. Um, you know, I I do think that that team maybe had, you know, better personnel at at some positions than the Cajuns have right now. But I think your point's well taken. I I still think that this team's best football is ahead of it. Um, But it's got to start this Saturday. It really does. And, you know, if they go out and play well, but they don't win the football game, well, I can live with that. Um, Because I think South Alabama's really good. But, you know, they, they can't go out and do the self-inflicted things that they had last week. If that happens, if that happens, it's going to be a long, 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 long homecoming day at Cajun Field. Jay, brother, appreciate your time as always. Enjoy being on the call this weekend and enjoy the weekend, and we'll talk to you next week, bud. I look forward to it. Thanks for having me. Go Cajuns. I agree with Jay there. If Look, I'm not a Raging Cajun fan. I just want to see them play well. If if they lose to South Alabama, that's because South Alabama is an ascending team. They may be the better team. Jay and I talked about this all the way back at during Sunbelt Media Day. South Alabama felt like a team that was on the rise in this conference. So if you lose a hard-fought game to South Alabama, that, that's nothing to hang your head about because you still have the back half of the schedule. And I understand people are already saying, okay, well, if they lose to South Al, then, well, they're not going to beat Marshall at Marshall, and they're going to lose to Southern Miss because you saw Southern Miss beat Tulane. Well, Southern Miss has also looked bad the rest of the year. And Marshall lost to Bowling Green after beating Notre Dame. Sunbelt's kind of crazy this year. It's all over the place. So I don't think their season ends if they lose to South Al on Saturday, I just don't. They can still get back into things and they can still be a bowl team. And you know what? That's not a bad start for a first year under a head coach with all the turnover they had with guys leaving for graduation, guys leaving for the NFL, and guys leaving to be the transfer portal. A winning season in a bowl game? Hey, it wasn't that long ago that Cajun fan would have loved to have that. Just saying. We got to take a timeout. When we return here on RP3 and Company, foodie poll question of the week is okra and the gumbo? Yes or no? Roundtable discussion with the producer extraordinaire, Miss Hannah Five Names, and the legend, Steve Wiley, coming up next right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. RP3 came to the station this morning to do only two things. Kick some ass and drink some beer. Looks like we're almost out of beer. Well, it's kind of early for the latter, isn't it? Maybe. Probably. Maybe just a root beer or some flavored water. Back to more kick-ass sports talk with RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 
Uh, Trails putting on the Sugarman Triathlon and Duathlon this Sunday, October the 2nd at Sugar Mill Pond in Youngsville. Spectators are invited. It's an all-road sprint, 5,500-meter swim, and a 15-mile bike ride through Sugar Mill Pond development. Eh, That's nothing for Steve Wiley and I. (laughs) Volunteers receive free food, drinks, and a shirt. For more information or to simply register, for the Sugarman Triathlon and Duathlon, visit latrail.org. That's latrail.org. Trail is a nonprofit dedicated in building and improving outdoor recreation and local parks in Acadiana. Our poll question of the day on Wednesdays is always our foodie poll question of the week. And this one has gotten quite the reaction. It's gotten cool outside, fall has arrived. Of course, that means everyone in southwest Louisiana now has a good excuse to make gumbo. Hint, hint, my wife, Tina. Do you use okra in your gumbo? Right now, 70% of you say no. 30% say yes. We have a slew of activity with the comments on both Facebook and Twitter. We've had a plethora of phone calls, including my own daughter making her first phone call into the show. So... We're going to open it up here for our roundtable discussion. Do you put okra in the gumbo? And we're going to start off with the legend sitting next to me. Oh, you know his voice. He's the voice of the drill, the two-minute drill here on the game. You can also hear him on middays on our sister station, Mustang 107.1. This is the legend, Steve Wiley. Good morning, sir. I don't know how to live up to that buildup. You're welcome. I'll take payment in candy bars. Well, and I think you and I are eminently qualified to be spectators at the event at Sugar Mill Pond. Can you imagine? (laughs) Can you imagine us taking part in the triathlon? That'd be, I'd be like, yeah, where's the food at? Is this some type of eating competition? Because, yeah, 15 mile bike ride? 15, uh, no, 5,500 meter swim? No, 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 no. I, you'll be seeing the seeing the story in the newspapers and on television. A local radio DJ dies while taking part in athletic event. Well, you know, I used to be a lifeguard, but that was an awfully long time ago. <laughs> uh, I used to have hair, Steve. Not, yeah. not everything lasts. So my question to you, though, is you are a, a man who enjoys the finer things in life. You love cuisine you love louisiana food yes i do you've been here a long time brother in this state you're not originally from here but this is has been your home for decades do you put okra in the gumbo well you know me i can't give you a straight answer i gotta throw you a curve (laughs) would be disappointing if i just said yes or no don't you think (laughs) yes it would be um sometimes i do sometimes i don't And here's the thing that it hinges on, what kind of gumbo I'm making. I'll put it in a seafood gumbo, but not chicken and sausage. So, so if it's a seafood gumbo with shrimp and crab, you'll throw some okra in there. Yeah. But if it's chicken sausage, no okra to be found. Nope. Now. When you prepare your gumbo, do you make sure nothing's worse than slimy okra in a gumbo? So many people don't cook it properly or they use, you know, they, they don't use it right. So when Steve is cooking up his seafood gumbo 
at the Wiley Casa. Is the ochre going to be slimy, my friend? No. Okay. Here's the thing. I had a life-changing experience. A friend gave me some roasted okra. That goes great in a seafood gumbo. Roasted okra. Roasted okra. Roasted it in her oven. So you're not saying yes or no. It depends on what type of gumbo it is. Seafood gumbo, Steve says, I'm okay with the okra in it. I cook it with it. If it's chicken and sausage, you say, no, no, Paul Bon, not having it. Nope. There we go. All right, now we go to the producer extraordinaire, Miss Hannah Five Names. We've discussed this earlier on the show. Mm-hmm. She's from Slittle, mm-hmm. Slidell, <laughs> so she can have a different perspective there on the gumbo fixings. Do you like okra in your gumbo, yes or no? I do, but I'm a Steve. I like it better if it's in like a seafood gumbo than if it's in a chicken and sausage gumbo because, you know, it doesn't taste right because you already have enough flavor with the chicken and the sausage. You don't need that for the other, for the seafood gumbo. So when you have your seafood gumbo, okra is part of the ingredient list. Yes. I've actually never made gumbo myself. So. She's never made gumbo? No. No, we're going to do fix people that. in Slidell eat gumbo. Oh, they do. I just don't oh. know how to make it. Just like I do, they put eat. tomatoes in it. There's some restaurants <laughs> that do put tomatoes in it, but it I will go and definitely if I have a seafood gumbo and there is okra in it, I'll try the first part with okra. If it's not good, I'm not eating the okra the rest of the way. Like if it's nasty, it's slimy, I'm not eating the rest of the way. I'll pick it out or I'll move it around the bowl while I eat the rest of the gumbo. So we have two people that will eat okra. As long as it's part of a seafood gumbo, mm-hmm. this is correct. You, mm-hmm. you and Steve are on the same page here, yeah, which I don't think has ever happened. It's never happened in these roundtable discussions for our foodie co- uh, poll question. I will, I will ask you one more. I, I say no to okra. Okay, so I, I just don't. I, it's just not, not my thing. Now let me ask you this. I experienced this recently where someone put together a gumbo, and it was a hybrid of chicken and sausage and seafood. And I was like, what you doing? And they did it. That is a no-no. Yes? Well, that depends. What do you mean by seafood? I mean, what? Just shrimp shrimp or shrimp? Shrimp, crab, crab, your typical seafood gumbo. And then they also had chicken and sausage. And I want to say even a turkey neck in there. So it was like any meat they could get their hands on, they threw it into a pot for the gumbo. Oh, boy, I don't know about that. It's a lot of conflicting flavors there. Yeah. yeah, it's interesting. It's an interesting idea. I'm not sure if I would like it. I think I probably would try it still because I was told to try something before you say you don't like it. So I'd probably still try it. But I feel like it's going to be different flavors because you know you don't use the all the same ingredients or the same seasoning to make gumbo. Yeah, you season them differently. Yeah. Chicken and sausage. There we go. There we go. All right. So two pro okras. As long as it's with seafood, one anti-okra, mm-hmm. there we go. Next time, When's the next time? Are you going to be making a gumbo this week? I, I'm seriously considering. I, I, I thought about it yesterday. I decided I'm going to put it off till the weekend. Okay. If you make some gumbo this weekend, bring a little bit. I want to try it. All right, absolutely. Bring it, to you, sure. you bring it for Hannah and I to try on Monday. You can do that? I can do that. My brother. Yeah. <laughs> That's the legend, Steve Wiley. She's the producer extraordinaire, Miss Hannah Five Nance. That's going to do it for our foodie poll question of the week roundtable discussion. we got to take a timeout when we return. It'll be time to talk with Andrew Juge of the Saints Happy Hour podcast, Big Easy Blitz, up next right here on the game. 
Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Houdan is ready for Saints talk. They give to Camara. Breaks through. Spins at the two. Into the end zone. Touchdown! Time to talk Saints with the Big Easy Blitz here on RP3 and Company. Andrew Juge of the Saints Happy Hour podcast joins us now here on RP3 and Company. Before we start breaking down Jameis Winston, before we break down the fact that this looks like a poorly coached football team that has multiple issues, Andrew, this is the biggest question that you're going to be forced to answer all week. You ready? I'm ready. Bring it. Do you put okra in your gumbo, yes or no? Absolutely. Yes. So many people are coming in with the absolutely here in the final hour. Jay Walker, longtime voice of the Raging Cajuns. Now you say this. Steve Wiley just said it, and Hannah says it, but they said it just for seafood gumbo. Uh, correct. I actually, I'm sorry. I, I will retract, and I agree with that statement that okra needs to be present for seafood gumbo. Now, I'm just, I'm a seafood gumbo exclusive kind of guy I, I don't go with the chicken and sausage as much I'm, I'm more of a seafood gumbo kind of guy so if I have a choice between the two that's the one I'm always going to pick but you always have to have okra in there so next time uh if we have you over the house I'll make sure that you don't eat because uh my wife loves cu- cooking chicken and sausage gumbo thanks for de-inviting yourself <laughs> there but that's right happy to happy to it was all part of the plan it's, it's all part of the master plan okay uh look we could spend an eternity talking about Jameis, okay? And I get it. He didn't play well. Again. But when I look at this team, Andrew, and I made this point earlier in the week, I see a kicker not being consistent in making kicks. I'm seeing a defense missing tackles. I'm seeing guys dropping footballs. I'm seeing horrendous play calling because apparently Pete Carmichael has forgotten to use the screen and use Alvin Kamara to catch footballs. Apparently, that's 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 done. That part of his career is done. I see an offensive line not fixed. And more importantly, on top of all that, and Jameis not picking up blitzes and not going through his progressions, I see a poorly coached team from top to bottom. That concerns me far more than Jameis. You can put in Andy Dalton all you want, but if they don't figure out how to be a better coached team and look better prepared, it doesn't matter who plays quarterback, in my opinion. Yeah, and I completely agree. Look, I, I think you could have Drew, Drew Brees back there in his prime, and his backs aren't holding on to the football, and it's going the other way for a touchdown, and the offensive line jumps off sides. Sorry, false starts two, two plays in a row, and it's first and 20. Uh, if you, your kicker can't make kicks, uh, I, Drew Brees would struggle in that environment. So, look, I'm not giving Jameis Winston a pass, of course, but over the last – three weeks and the only time I would really exclude this statement is in the fourth quarter of the Falcons game in week one where the offense kind of caught fire put up some points and moved the ball very quickly and efficiently uh I have witnessed a complete system failure and so you know that that's what bad teams do they fail in in multiple areas uh whether it's missing kicks fumbling the football penalties failure to pick up blitzes and accurate passes, turnovers. Those are all the marks of a bad team. And so I, I agree that it starts with coaching. Uh, and this is a top to bottom thing. And so for me, it's a little hard to point the finger just at Jameis when you consider 
how many guys need to look in the mirror? You know, how many guys have their hands in this where it's not just one guy. It's not just one player that's ruining it for everyone else. It's uh, it's a lot of guys that have to clean stuff up. And so, you know, there, there's a reality that taking sacks, uh, not picking up blitzes, turning the football over, penalties, those are mistakes that cost you football games. And uh, that's why the Saints sit here at one and two. With, by the way, two losses, you know, I won't call – Tampa a terrible team but Carolina I believe is a terrible football team right now and uh, that was an embarrassing loss and the Saints should be embarrassed because that's a game that nine times out of ten if not more the Saints need to come out of that one victorious and to drop that one I think is is a clear indication of just how much they're in disarray offensively right now so this whole unit is snake bitten there's no question though that James Winston isn't playing well uh, and you wonder with the ankle with the back issues, uh, is he too injured to be playing? And, you know, right now I would settle for someone that would complete passes underneath Alvin Kamara. You know, I mean, I I would start there. So I I am kind of more inclined to lobby for a change. Uh, But, you know, if, if this is an injury that gets better over time and it continues to improve every week, maybe this is the week that Jameis Winston gets right and, and plays better. So, uh, but they are in a race against time to fix a lot of things, and your point is a good one. Uh, you can't point at one person for the problems they're having. And look, I, I watched the game. Jameis missed wide-open guys. Like, there's guys that were open, and he didn't see them because he didn't go through his reads, right? Adam Troutman a couple times. Okay, there was a couple other guys that were open and didn't have a defender around them and could have been a first-down play. And that falls on him. But I also am curious, why all of a sudden have we decided not to involve the running backs and involve in particular Alvin Kamara in the screen game because this is a guy that what had 80 targets first three years in the league right something crazy like that and he only had what 52 last year and now he's on pace for even less I mean he's an offensive weapon he's a multi-purpose running back if your offensive line is having troubles why aren't you dumping it off to Kamara and letting him make something in the screen game you know, Raymond, I don't know that I have a good answer to that question. Uh, it's, it, it's a great one, uh, but uh, I, I'm left scratching my head. It's, it's puzzling. Um, you know, I, I think on some level, listen, the Saints decided to unleash Jameis Winston this year. Uh, last year, he was on a leash, mm, that's for fair. lack of a better way of putting it. And Sean Payton was very – look, and part of it was just the, the skill position guys that they had. He was throwing to the likes of Kenny Stills and Kevin White and Adam Troutman, you know, th- those were his primary receivers a year ago, Callaway, Traquan Smith. And so, you know, I-, I think the Saints were a lot more conservative offensively a year ago. They were like, look, our defense is so good. The whole plan here, based on what we have to work with, is we're not going to turn the ball over. That's that's the whole objective offensively. I don't know that that's necessarily the approach this year. Um, with the Michael Thomas coming back, the additions of Olave and Jarvis Landry, they obviously have a lot more playmakers offensively, but, you know, now it's about setting up play action and maybe getting a little bit more vertical uh, and making plays down the field. Uh, they have the personnel to do that. But, you know, along with that comes unleashing Jameis Winston and letting him do his thing. And I think it's kind of laying, being laid bare now for all to see that Jameis Winston is an inconsistent quarterback. And look, I, I think part of it, look, not a lot of change. There's not a lot of excuses here, Raymond, other than the back, the injury thing, because the offensive line, it's the same guys. James Hurst, uh, Ruiz, McCoy, 
Ramchek, Andrews Pete, and look, McCoy wasn't even available for most of the games that Jameis Winston played last year. So the offensive line is mostly the same. It's still got Kamara. The only thing that's changed is the receivers are a lot better and the offense is getting worse. So I don't really feel like there's a lot of excuses here other than I think Jameis Winston was really set back by that ankle in training camp. And, you know, I think the, the timing and, and the chemistry developing that with his new receivers and getting used to what is basically not necessarily a new offense in the sense that the playbook has changed. It's definitely a new offense in terms of approach. And I think what they're trying to do and how they're trying to attack defense is very different from a year ago. And I just think physically, I'm not sure that Jameis Winston can do it consistently right now. And the and other so thing, that, Andrew, that you bring deal. up is the thing with McCoy because he was limited. And yeah, you can develop chemistry with your wide receivers in the offseason by throwing to them and playing a little pitch and catch. But the center quarterback exchange and being on the same page with blitz pickups, which is apparently that McCoy and Winston are both struggling with, I think that's I think that's a direct result of them not having more reps this offseason and in training camp in the preseason. I think that's a direct result of that. I completely agree with you. Um, and so, look, they have to fix this quickly because every opponent that studies them sees this on tape. They see delay blitzes. They see gr- green dog linebacker blitzes. Yep and how effective they are disrupting this offense. And so I can promise you they're going to keep coming. Uh, so that that's where we're at uh, with this offense right now and how defenses are going to game plan for the Saints. And I can promise you the Vikings on Sunday are going to give them a heavy dose of that stuff. And so, uh, again, McCoy and Winston, they're in a race against time to get on the same page. Talking with Andrew Juge of the Saints Half Hour podcast. He also is a contributing columnist to us here at the game you can read his latest article about Jameis Winston and his struggles find it for free at 1037thegame.com and 1041thegame.com all right bud all that being said awful starts of the season they've looked terrible for three games with the exception of one quarter yet the rest of the NFL has been a train wreck as well there's only two teams that are undefeated after week three that's the Eagles and Dolphins as everyone predicted and everyone else is two and one and one and two. So a win on Sunday, guess what? The Saints are right back in it. They're two and two, and they're playing a very winnable division. Absolutely. Look, I I don't know that Tampa looks very good either, and they're two and one. Oh, their offense, and, their offense looks putrid. It does, yeah, and they've got a lot of injuries, and there's already a partial PCL tear of the knee for Julio Jones. So uh, Tampa's decimated on the offensive line, so they're dealing with their own issues, but. I think for the Saints, not a lot shot. The injuries are the thing that are maybe most concerning to me right now. Because, look, if you don't have Michael Thomas, you don't have Jarvis Landry for any period of time, Taysom Hill's already been out, your offense is struggling. So to be missing guys, I think, makes it even worse. So hopefully these guys have minor injuries. They can bounce back and come back pretty quickly. Even Alvin Kamara, who's playing, he's dealing with the ribs. Jameis Winston's dealing with injuries. So even the guys that are playing are banged up. So – to me, that's the biggest concern. Can you really make big improvements if your guys aren't healthy? Uh, but that that's going to be, I think, the biggest thing to watch. Hopefully, look, the defense, I still think, yes, they missed some tackles. The 67-yard play for a touchdown to LaVishka Chenault was inexcusable. But for the most part, I feel like through three weeks, and Atlanta wasn't great until the fourth quarter, but through three weeks, I think 
the defense, I don't know that they're playing up to expectations, but they're keeping the team in these games. And so I think overall you have to be pleased. And that's something to build off of special teams has been a calamity offense is really struggling. And if they can just limit the mistakes and cut those back, they're in, they could easily be three and zero right now. That's the thing about the saints as poorly as they've played, they were in all these games. And so I think maybe just turning that, that corner and flipping that switch just a little bit will be enough to help them win. And, and again, here Sunday, look, this is a beatable opponent, the Minnesota Vikings. It's a tough matchup, but uh, this isn't a perfect team by any means. And I think with the saints, it starts with protecting the football limiting the mistakes, limiting the penalties, making your kicks. Uh, this is basic stuff, Raymond, but I think the Saints have to start there if they want to be competitive. Brother, appreciate your time. As always, enjoy waking up early to watch the game on Sunday, my friend, and we'll talk to you next Wednesday, bud. Looking forward to it. Thanks so much, Raymond. Sandra Juge of the Saints Happy Hour Podcast. Hey, just a reminder that it's time to kill two birds with one stone, help a good cause, and do some early holiday shopping. The Opelousas St. Landry Rotary Club auction will be held on Tuesday on KDCG Channel 50.2 over the air, Cox 9, Charter 11, and LUS 22. The auction begins at 6 o'clock, and viewers can bid on a variety of items, including gift cards, vacation packages, sporting goods, home decor, memorabilia, and so much more. All proceeds from the Rotary Club auction go to Worthy Causes, and items can go for pennies on the dollar, which helps you with your holiday shopping. So make sure to tune in for the Opelousa St. Landry Rotary Club auction on Tuesday on KDCG. we got to take a timeout, our final one of today's show. When we come back, finalize the poll question of the day and get you set up for Kevin Foote and Footnotes. That's all next right here on Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Time for you to visit the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. Here's what you could score. Right now in the Game Clubhouse, you can score a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou. From game and concert tickets to restaurant gift certificates, you can score big by joining the Game Clubhouse. Go sign up today at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. In Louisiana, there are thousands of miles of utility lines and gas pipelines buried just beneath the surface, and sometimes multiple lines are in one area. So look, if you are a contractor that you've hired is digging a hole to put in a brand new fence, chain link, privacy, pool, swing set, garden, it really does not matter. For any reason, you run the risk of hitting an underground line by digging only a few inches. What happens then? Maybe you only knock the power out for your entire neighborhood, but sometimes there's an explosion with injuries and even death. It happens every single year, and there's a very simple way to avoid it. Before you dig, call 811. Call 811 two days before you dig. Tell the operator your address, and someone's going to come out and mark the location of buried lines so you or your contractor can avoid them. It's simple, it's free, and it's the law. Louisiana 811 operates 811 as a public service, and to promote public safety, Louisiana 811 and the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, remind you, call 811 and know what's below before you dig. I want to take a moment to thank our guest, Ron Higgins, from Tiger Details, Jay Walker, longtime voice of the Raging Cajuns, and Andrew Juge from the Saints Happy Hour Podcast. Final results of the poll question of the day. 
hey, it's gotten a little chillier, gotten a little cooler. It's time for gumbo. Do you use okra in your gumbo? It is a polarizing issue. Y'all came out. I almost had like a dozen phone calls this morning and a slew of comments. Final results, 68% of you say no, 32% say yes. Brad on Twitter shares a photo. You see any okra in there? Hell to the no. (laughs) Very passionate. Some of y'all love okra, some of y'all don't. Hart says, if you feel like starting a riot, making another poll, asking which is the best version of gumbo. (laughs) Uh, Coming up next week. Thank you, Hart. Thank you to all who voted and left your comments on Facebook and Twitter. For Steve Wiley, who chimed in earlier, the producer extraordinaire, Miss Hannah. Five names. I'm Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. We'll do it all again tomorrow, 6 to 9. We'll try to be better and try to incite less violence with our poll question. But until then, be safe out there. Be kind to one another. Kevin Foote and Footnotes is up next right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.